When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hi, everyone. This is Tony Richards, master coach and host here at Better Than Before on the Sweet Sweet Radio Network. So glad you could join us. Welcome to the month of May and welcome to our wonderful weather here in the Midwest. If you're having bad weather where you are, I so apologize. We actually need rain here in Missouri. So we're kind of hoping that we'll get some rain I've been talking to my mom, who is in such better spirits. Of course, my dad passed away last November, and so we got through the winter, and I was really, really hoping that when springtime came, she would have a whole new outlook and attitude, and she's doing so much better since the weather's nicer, and now she has the ground broken and prepared to put her garden in. And thanks to all of you who have emailed or tweeted or whatever way you've been in contact with me and you've been asking about her. She's doing so much better now that she's going to be this week or next able to put hopefully some of her seed in the ground for her garden this spring and summer. So that's going to do a lot of positive things for her and, and her attitude. we got a special guest today. Shelly Phillips is going to be joining me, and Shelly is going to lay a lot of really good leadership gold on you today, so make sure that you have your notebook and you are ready to take some notes because Shelly is outstanding at what she does. I'll tell you all about her and her bio here in just a second. First, though, I'm going to share something with you, how to start your morning out on a positive note how to start your morning out on a positive note. And I'm going to share seven things with you that you can do in addition to what you do now, whatever your system is, where you calibrate your day for success and get yourself in alignment for having a good day. Number one thing you can say every morning, today is another day of opportunity to break cycles of trauma and work toward healing. Today is another day of opportunity to break cycles of trauma and work toward healing. Number two, something amazing could happen today, and I'm expecting it. Something amazing could happen today, and I'm expecting it. Number three, I will never be able to do this day over, so I'm going to be appreciating it. I will never be able to do this day over again 
So I'm going to appreciate the day. Number four, even when I face obstacles today, I'm going to learn from them. Even when I face obstacles today, I will learn from them. Number five, I'm a work in progress, always becoming the next better version of me. I'm a work in progress, always becoming the next better version of me. Number six, today I am grateful for blank. Today I am grateful for blank. You'll fill in what you're grateful for. It can be more than one thing, but just make sure you show gratitude for something in the morning before you start your day. And number seven, I have things of importance to contribute to those I come in contact with today. I have things of importance to contribute to those I come in contact today. Now, real quick, before we get to Shelly, you might say, Tony, why, why is this saying stuff so important? Why are affirmations so important? Because the first person that needs to believe what you say is you. The person you believe the most is you. So if you need a mindset change, in other words, if you've been more pessimistic, if you've been more idealistic, only to find out that things weren't really the way you really wanted them to be, the realistic way of things does not match up with what you think the ideal coulda, shoulda, mighta been is, any of that, the way you're going to change you is start to believe. And the way you're going to start to believe is if you say it and repeat it and mull it over and meditate until you do change your belief system. And you'll be amazed that once your belief system changes and your mindset changes and your worldview change, you'll be amazed at the things that will start happening to you that will line up. Not because it's some kind of magic formula, not because it's going to change the universe. It's going to change you. You're the one that needs to change. You need to see days as days of opportunity. You need to see bad cycles changing and going into good cycles. You need to believe that your days are limited on this planet and you need to have an appreciative mindset it's going to change you. And once you change, things are going to appear to change differently that have been right in front of you the whole time, but you haven't seen it because you weren't calibrated to see it. So by doing these types of affirmations in the morning, you're calibrating yourself in expectation and observation of the things that are going to have been happening to you, but now they're going to become visible, present, and they're going to come into existence in a way that hasn't been visible to you before. So I hope you put those seven positive things that you can say every morning into effect and see over time. Now, I don't just mean you know, over a day or two, I mean, over weeks and quarters and see if you can do it every morning from now until June 30th and see if you don't experience some difference in a more positive way. All right, let's get to this interview with Shelly Phillips. 
So excited and proud to have Shelly Phillips on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about her before she comes on to join us. Shelly Phillips is a sweet tea sipping sassy Southerner. So you better watch out today with a passion for helping dynamic, driven, career minded professionals write their own success stories. She's a coach, corporate trainer and motivational speaker, as well as the author of two award winning books. When in doubt, delete it and get noticed, get hired. Shelly's successfully ever after formula is designed to land you in an ideal career perfectly matched to your skill set. And it feels more like a get to rather than a got to. For over 20 years, she's used her first-rate public relations and communication skills to help countless people create an authentic personal brand designed to get them noticed and hired. She also leads corporate trainings about creating a company culture that encourages employee support, growth, and community. Shelly is on a mission to help others tune in to what makes them great, package it properly, and use their existing skill set to find the path to their highest potential. I need some of this today. So I, I'm excited. Shelly, well, I well, am happy well, to be here. <laughs> welcome to the program. I can't wait for you to do something to me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And am I saying your name right? Is Shelly. Shelly right? Phillips. Uh-huh. Now, is it Shelly or Shelly? Shelly, like a cello. It's a little bit strange. <laughs> so, so it's a C-H. You do yeah. do the, mm -hmm. It's not a S. It's a right. C-H. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's Shelly. Okay, good. I'm ready now. I thought about halfway through your bio there i thought i wonder if i'm saying that correctly i'm so used to it it doesn't even phase me anymore <laughs> what led you to what you do now it sounds like you make people's dreams come true how did you get to this point tell me a little bit about how you found this calling that you're pursuing yeah so my background is in marketing and pr but I really got started down this area because of some work I was doing on a college campus. For about 14 years, I worked as a chapter advisor for a national sorority on a campus in Alabama. And what that meant is I, I really interacted with the leaders of that organization and the other women. I had about 250 that came through a semester. So you got to know them over the course of three or four years, you got to know their struggles. And, and what we were seeing is they would spend all the time, get the degree, and then they'd walk across the stage expecting to have this job in the field that they had been preparing for. And if they didn't get the offer right out of college and they had to go take what I call get by jobs, whether that's retail or baristas or anything like that, that when they actually did get an offer from a company or an organization, it came in five to seven thousand dollars less than what someone right out of college was getting. Mm. And it didn't make sense to me that, okay, we've got work experience now, so why are we devaluing the experience on top of the education? And so I really got to working with them on how do I package myself? How do I show that my work experience is an add-on value to my education? And you really put my branding and my marketing hat on and be like, okay, we're our biggest assets. We're our most important asset that we have. So how do we brand ourselves in a way that's going to get us the biggest offers that we can get and put us in a career path that we actually want to be in and that we're rewarded for our efforts and the skills that we're bringing to the table fairly for. Mm. And cause you know, 
like me, you, you've been in the workforce long enough that every raise that you get is determined by that starting point. So your yearly raise, whether it's three, five percent, whatever it is, if you're coming in five to seven thousand dollars less than someone else, you're never going to catch up. That progression right. is never going to happen. You basically have to leave that organization, go someplace else and move your salary that way. Oh, I have coached a lot of people in that situation. And I've told them, I'm like, I'm so sorry that you're in this trap, but there is a certain ceiling every year that you're only going to be able to get because you came in low. Yeah. And so I started this work on them being able to, let's get you the biggest offer that we can get you going into. And how do I use the work experience as an adder? Like, you know, you've worked with people, you've balanced cash drawers, you've dealt with problems in the workplace, you've shown that you're dependable and that you get up on time and that you show up. And all these things are things that companies look for that we don't talk about in the interviews and different things like that. Then later on in life, I had worked for a company for over 20 years and we had a leadership change. And I went from having a seat at the table to my work not being valued anymore. And it was amazing to me the difference that one person could make inside an organization. And so then I had to kind of, okay, let me practice what I've been preaching to all these girls. Let me do it for myself now. Like, how does this work at a higher level inside an organization? And so basically had to go, okay, how am I branding myself? You know, after you've been in a career for several years, you quit updating your resume. You quit doing these things because you're like, oh, this is where I'm going to be. Everything's good. I've got the retirement program. I've got the benefits. I know all my coworkers. I met their families. And you don't consider 20 years down the road road that I may be in a position where I need to look for something else so that I can continue to feel that I am a value in providing what I can provide to an organization. And so I did it for myself. And it came after a really nasty email from the new manager of that organization where basically he sent me an email one night wanting to know, you know, did your skills come out of a Fruit Loop box like the prize inside after like when we used to be kids and we used to fight over who got the prize inside the Fruit Loop box. And so It was in that moment that I was like, you know what? No one can make you feel that way unless you let them make you feel that way. That's correct. And so the personal branding piece of it became really important at that point in time to me is like, you know, working in PR and communications, talking to people and being confident wasn't something that I thought I struggled with. But it was really amazing how one person devaluing what you did over the course of three or four months makes you really begin to question, oh, do I still have the skills that I need to do this or am I showing up the way I need to show up or is what I do really even matter anymore in the workplace? And luckily for me, I was able to suck it up and pull it together and had enough friends that were like, oh, he's the idiot, not you. Come on, you can do this and mm-hmm. and rebrand yourself. And, you know, I started a different career, which led to me starting my own company and doing this for other people now. Oh, wow. So that's, that's kind awesome. of long story short how it all yeah. ended up happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. But, well, I mean, it, it's the, sort of the same way that I became an executive coach. I left my last CEO role, and I thought, I've done this a couple of times now, and I kind of understand what people are going through when they're in this job. So I think I can move into this job of helping them. So I always tell my clients, I don't experiment on you. I've done all this stuff before. Yep. You know, Mm -hmm. on myself, you know, Mm -hmm. so and you hit a nerve here with me when you said we stop updating our resume and some other stuff because I've been self-employed basically for 20 years now. And about two years ago, I think it was at 2021 during Christmas time, 
I was hacked. All my social media got hacked. And I got my Facebook back and I got my Twitter back, but I didn't get my LinkedIn back. And so I haven't had a LinkedIn profile now for a year and a half. And basically, one of the reasons is because they wanted me to give them my driver's license and other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if this really is them or if it's the hacker or I don't know who this is. So I'm not doing that. And I thought, I'll just do a new profile. Well, here we are a year and a half later, and I haven't done one. But I'm just thinking in this work that you do with your clients, LinkedIn is probably an important thing, right? It is. It's probably what I consider probably the most important profile in the career side of what you're doing that you really have in place and that you work on. Your Facebook page, your Instagram, all that's great. And it should reflect your professional abilities and that kind of thing. But those really are more personal. They're where we have our family stuff, our kids stuff, the things that we enjoy doing, our vacations, all that kind of stuff. But the LinkedIn profile is more about showcasing what you've accomplished in the workforce and what skills that you bring. And LinkedIn has so many ways for you to quantify by, you know, like LinkedIn courses that you can take, different things like that, that they'll certify. Yes, they are good at what they say they're good at. They've taken our course and, and will verify that they know PR or they know communications or they know Excel or they know these things. And it adds some validity to what you're saying and what you're putting on paper for your resume. And then also what you're talking about when you get into the interview situations and everything. Mm. So what are some things, and I know you, you want people to be your client before you give away all your great secret material, but what's something that someone can do to stand out and get noticed. I mean, there's a lot of people out there looking for jobs. Yeah, so I say there's a couple of what I call high value real estate areas on LinkedIn. The very first thing is look at your headshot. Is your headshot professional? A, do you even have a headshot on there? And then there's also what they call banner images, those images that show up behind the headshot. All of those are places for you to be able to showcase either the industry that you like to be in, something that matters to you. The headshot should be a professional current look so people know who you are. And if you're over 60 and your headshot still looks like you're 30, that could be a problem when you show up for the interview. And ageism is not supposed to be an issue in the workplace. But you know, let's just be real. It's like if someone feels like, oh, they're deceptive when they're coming into the interview because they didn't present who they were clearly, it's a strike against you. You don't want anything to be against you when you're going into that interview. So look at the headshots. The headshot should be professional. It shouldn't be you clipped out of some other photo that you have, you know, <laughs> a nice, easy background, whether it's outside or against a plain wall or and there's so many things that now, like we all walk around with a phone in our pocket. It's got a camera right on it. Mm. Snag a friend, tell them to take a couple of shots of you against a neutral background. And, you know, when you're looking good and you're feeling all put together, you mm. don't have to go pay tons of money to have something great done, but you do need that on there. And smile when you take that picture. You want people to be engaged with you to begin with. You want to give them a reason to be like, oh, they look like they're a nice person. Let me read more about them. So once you got your pictures in place, you know, the next thing I tell everybody to work on is work on their headline. And LinkedIn's headlines are a lot like Twitter, as far as I'm concerned. You got a limited number of characters that you can say what you want to say about you. I was doing a presentation for a Chamber of Commerce group, a young professionals group, not too long ago. And I was searching through trying to find some really great headlines. And, you know, I'm in PR and marketing. So some things stand out to me that might not 
be appropriate for certain industries or whatever. But I ran across one that somebody called them the Beyonce of Excel. Like, okay, if I need somebody who's got strong Excel skills, that's going to catch my eye. It may not be appropriate for a super stodgy, I'm all buttoned up accounting group, but it could be great for, you know, a marketing company that needs somebody to handle their books. So, you know, you have to be a little bit careful with that, but do what you can to really clarify what you're bringing to the table, what position that you're interested in and what skills that you have in that headline area. And then finally, the last piece that I say for anyone that really wants to be attention getting on LinkedIn is the summary area. I think people get a little intimidated with that area because a lot of times it's written in first person and none of us like to talk about ourselves. And so it feels kind of weird when you're writing I or I do this or it's even worse if I were Chelly is da 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 like I'm talking about me like I don't exist. But the thing I tell people with that is don't forget that people want to connect with you on a human level. While it's really great for you to have, you know, like what you've studied and what your skills are, give them a reason to like you as a person. Let them know a little bit about you. One of the clients that I worked with not too long ago was in the financial industry and was looking for a a retirement career. And one of the things that they kept telling me over and over was that they were interested in real estate, but not like first home sales or this. They wanted to work with people who wanted like second properties or income properties that they could use and that they could grow their own financial strength out of having these properties to, to use for income generation. And he finally told me a story about when he was a little kid. He said that he, his parents had a rental property that that was always their vacation money. That's when they got to go to Disney World because they had this rental income. And he said he always went with his dad to do the repairs on the properties or anything that came up. But he always associated that rental property with being able to take that vacation as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's your story. That's how people are going to connect with you because you, you actually get it. You need to work that into your summary. That vacation property or that rental property always meant vacation to you as kids. And you want to be able to help someone be able to provide these things for their family, too. And so when you can work the story into it in a way that people can connect with you on a human or even emotional level, it makes you the most memorable person out there. And I guarantee you that when you show up in that interview, they've already formed an opinion of you at that point in time because they're already associating certain feelings and certain ideas and certain values with you because of what you've put out there and how they've connected with you. Yeah, that's the first thing I ask you. Like, how'd you get to this place? Like, how did you decide to do this or what happened to send you this direction? The profile picture, I was laughing to myself, the headshot. I think mine is like 12 years old. And so a couple of years ago, I went to the University of Missouri here in town to do a workshop that they had asked me to do. And I'd never worked with this person before. And they were at the registration table and I was just going to check in with them and let them know I was there and pick up my badge and this, that, and the other. And I walked up and she goes, Oh, you're Tony. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, have we met before? She goes, no, I recognize you from your headshot or your photo. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I still look like that. After after 12 years, I'm glad I'm recognizable from that picture. You know, hey, I know this is something that a lot of people ask me. So I'm going to ask the expert, my boss or my supervisor. So 
how do I get in a position with them where they want me to succeed or how do I get promoted? Oh, so that's a great question. That's, you know, to me, if you're at a company that you enjoy and you have people that's surrounding you that you love working with you every day, that's your best next career move is to find the way that you move up where you are because you're already learning that industry. You already know the people around you. You already know what matters to that company. And clearly you found value in being there and it aligns with your personal values or your personal wants and that kind of thing, or you wouldn't have stayed. And so to me, that's the best move that any can make. And there's a few things that you can really do that can really help make you stand out in that supervisor's mind so that you become the person that they think of when these opportunities become available. One of the first things that I tell my clients to do is tell your supervisor that you're interested in a long-term career there, that you want growth opportunities, that you want to be able to move up inside this organization, and that you're open to learning about other areas, that you're open to learning new skills that can help make you transferable around that organization, or even grow the skills that you have so that if you have levels that you can move in the position that you're in, that you can continue to progress up that scale in the spot that you're at. A lot of people make the mistake of never telling anyone that they're interested in that. They assume that somebody knows what's going on in their head. And so, you know, I like to think of as a supervisor in my role as vice president and stuff. I've had several people that I've supervised over the course of my career. And you have the people that really excel at what they do, or you have the people that are always on your radar because of something going wrong or they're the complainers or whatever. And that middle bunch of people, you know, the ones that just show up, they're doing their job. You don't have to focus on them all that much because you know that it's just going to happen the way it needs to happen, sometimes get overlooked. That's a downfall for the way of a way of a lot of leadership happens. A lot of leaders are not coaches. And sometimes you have to be the first one that makes that that step up and says, hey, I'm interested. I want to be on your radar. Will you help me get to the next level that I want to get to and help me achieve these dreams? And so the thing also, as I say, is don't wait until your yearly review to have a conversation with your supervisor. You know, schedule some time throughout the year. Hey, I just want to touch base. Here's what I'm working on. Here's the things. I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Would it help me in my career here? Or do you have any advice? Let them to kind of become that mentor for you to help guide you along the way. And then the other thing that I really, well, there's actually two more things that I really advocate that people do inside the workplace if they want to continue to get ahead. One of those is I always encourage, especially some of my, my younger professionals, to get in the habit of doing what I call a Monday morning check-in shoot your supervisor an email that says, hey, this is what I have on my radar this week. This is what I know is due. If you had anything left over from the week before, there's something still hanging around, let them know, hey, I got that covered. I'm working on this. Or either don't forget, I still need XYZ to make that happen and close that out for you. And then ask the question, is there anything else I can do for you this week? And then if you'll follow up on Thursday, not Friday, because everybody's looking at getting out of the office and what they got to do for the weekend and everything else, but follow up on Thursday and say, hey, I just wanted to update you. This is where I stand on this project. This is where this is. And 
you become the person that becomes top of mind then because I'm not having to track you down and figure out where we stand on projects. How are we working with this client? Is this order ready to go? Do you have the reports that are going to be needed or whatever? You become someone I automatically count on and you're going to become that person that when opportunities arise or I get to put teams together to work on new projects, you're going to be the first person that I call because I know I'm not going to have to constantly micromanage and figure out where do we stand and what's going on because you're going to proactively be the one to let me know. And then the final thing that you can do inside the organization that can really help you with promotion is to network inside. A lot of times we stay in our cubicle or our little area and we don't know what's happening on the other side of the building. But, you know, sometimes promotion means I got to move to a different department. And so the best thing that you can do is start making friends around the organization, Mm. have conversations with them, find out what they do on a day to day basis, find out what's happening inside their areas of work and let other people know that, hey, I've got an interest or maybe you have a skill set that's not being utilized where you're at right now, but would be in alignment with something that they're doing over there. And if you get a chance to do cross projects where you bring multiple departments together, volunteer for those so that people outside of your own area can see how you work, see the skills that you work, see how you work on a team how that you interact with people, how do you work in a situation where maybe it's not your direct boss that you're reporting back to at the moment so that other people can get a feel of what it is that you bring to the table that might make you someone that they want on their team later on. So that's my best pieces of advice for, you know, if you want to be able to move up inside where you're at now. But let me put a warning label on it for all of you who may take Shelly's advice because be careful what you ask for because you might get it. You might get it. And when it all starts coming your way, I mean, don't do, oh, I'm always the one or there. I always do this. Or that. That's what you want, right? That's what you asked for. So you got to keep an attitude of gratitude when this stuff starts coming your way because it's the situation you've created. And now you need to embrace that, right? So right. Let, let's talk about the other end of it. So I'm the supervisor, I'm the leader, I'm the owner. How can I create an environment where more of my employees want to do that? One of the things that I I work when I do some of the corporate training is the idea of helping your employees build their own personal brands. Love it. It's funny because I get a lot of pushback sometimes when I'm talking to CEOs or leaders of, of companies because the first thing they tell me is like, well, if my employees start talking about all they bring to the table and all that they offer, won't my competitors try to steal them? The answer is actually no. The actual opposite happens is that when your employees feel invested in and when they feel valued and they feel that they work for a company that is supporting their missions, their efforts, and that they're breathing life into them and they're helping them grow as people and they're helping grow their skills, they're way less likely to leave for a minimal offer of something that, you know, it's going to take way more than a 5% pay increase to get them to pack up and leave and go someplace else. It's going to have to be a really nice opportunity for someone to consider leaving. And the other piece of the research and stuff that kind of came across is that over half of the people who leave a job say that they left because no one ever talked about how they saw them as part of the future of the organization. And, you know, that's kind of sad when you think about it, because there's a lot of people that 
may not have ever left where they are. They were doing good work and maybe the company really, you know, they were getting good value for what they were paying for what they were doing. But that employee never saw themselves as part of the future because that company didn't share what their vision for the future was. They didn't make them feel like they had growth opportunities or that they were people interested in improving them and helping them get better. And so they went someplace else to be able to make those things happen. And there's some really easy ways that managers can really start helping employees build their brands. This is another one of those cautionary tales is that you need to be doing this yourself as a manager and as a leader so that they have something to emulate, that they can see how, you know, how good personal branding looks and what does it talk about. And I say I'm a good Southern girl and I was brought up a lot of life, you know, a lot of church Sunday school lessons. It's not nice to talk about yourself. Don't go bragging about yourself. Mm. Well, You can do these things in a way that it's not boastful. It can be just sharing the fact that, hey, our team just landed this and we had a successful project. And here's some of the things that we did to get there. And it always makes it feel a little less arrogant. Thank you. If you're talking about your team while you're doing it, you know, like you're bringing other people up with you. And that's another thing I think people love to see is that they look for people who will build others up along the way. It's not always just about me. If I can highlight something my team's doing, all the better. That's a reflection on me as a supervisor and a leader, too, is that I have helped nurture this team in a way that they're able to accomplish these things. I don't have to say that by just posting their accomplishments is kind of something that's inferred from there as the leader of that team. You've been able to produce this kind of work and get these people to work together and do these great things. And so I think it's great. Give some people some stretch goals sometimes. Have them make presentations. People hate to talk in front of people. But some of the ways that you get some of your best exposure in the office is through making presentations to the next level groups. And when you can encourage your people, even if it's by doing it in small staff meetings or team meetings to begin with, that gets them comfortable talking about projects, talking about the value that they're adding, all the more better for them as they move up that chain. And you can do some social media training. You can have a a headshot day at your office just as an employee engagement activity. And, you know, you can have someone come in and talk about how to build a great LinkedIn profile. And here's some headshots that you can automatically get started with. There's a lot of things that you can do as opposed to just sending them off to school to get a new new degree or something like that that can help with a personal brand that really makes an employee feel valued, that it makes them feel part of a team, that they're wanted there, that their skills are something that is adding a value to that organization as well. And then, like I said, allowing them to see themselves in the future of that organization. Because if I'm investing in you now, then you know that I want you to continue to stay here because I have plans for you down the road. When I've coached executives who were a little reluctant on giving presentations, I would have them do an exercise and say, okay, sit down with me here. I want you to make a list of all the things you're afraid of in doing this. And that had to do with the people, right? That we're going to be in the audience. The people are going to get up and walk out. They're not going to like me. They're going to whatever. And I'm like, I want you to tell me the times and situations where you've gone to hear somebody speak, where you've gone to do that, those things. Well, I've never done those. I've never walked out on anybody. I've never, I've always looked forward to what the, I'm like, right. 
That's right. They're not going to do any of those things that you're imagining because no one does those things. We just think about them and we're worried about them, but they're actually coming with some anticipation of the things you have to say and the value you have to offer. We've been visiting with Shelly Phillips, and if you've heard some of our interactions here, you know what kind of value she brings to her clients about getting hired, about getting promoted, about building their personal brand. And I'm going to tell you how, or actually Shelly's going to tell you how you can find out more about her in just a second. And Shelly, we ask 12 questions of every guest that comes on the show. So if you don't mind, I'm going to run these by you. All right. Fire away. Number one, what is the best memory for you that immediately comes to mind? Oh, my gosh. That's my grandmother. Uh, what was her yeah. name? Fanny Pearl. It's a uh, good Southern as they come. Southern, we got to have two <laughs> names in the South. <laughs> and so I am not an outdoorsy girl. Let me just go ahead and say that right off the bat. My grandmother loved it. And every summer she would take us, her, my granddad and her would take us fishing on Black Creek, Florida. And we'd have to get out on the boat. And I was that nerdy kid. And I would sit on the boat with them and I would have my, my book and everything else. But I will never forget the summer that I had was with them at Black Creek. And I had a goose try and attack me as we were trying to get in the boat. And my grandma's taking a fishing pole and is just trying to swat the goose away. So that's probably one of my favorite memories that pops up. <laughs> that's awesome. Who's the number one hero in your life? Number one hero next to my mom and dad, because they have supported me throughout my life. I'd have to say is my sixth grade teacher, Miss Gatto. She's the reason that I started writing. She's the one that really poured into me that you can write about anything. It doesn't have to always be, you know, fictional stories. We would go into her classrooms and on, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Thursday, one day a week, we would draw out a picture from a bucket that she had. And we had to write a story about that picture and it could be anything and everything. And so I credit her for sending me down that path of journalism and then later being the author that I am now. So that's awesome. What's the top core value you subscribe to? Integrity. I think you should do what you say and say what you do. And there's nothing worse than me to be expecting someone to show up with something and they just fail to deliver. Who's the most important person in your life? Oh, most important person. My husband is very important to me. And like I said, it runs a close second with my mom and dad. They're both still alive. And I truly value having having them at this age with me still and everything. But my husband has been my biggest cheerleader probably throughout my life. He's every, uh, oh, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to write a book. Okay, great. What do you need me to do? Nothing. Just don't be mad when I don't come to bed till midnight or, you know, like whatever, you know, like, but he's been my biggest supporter throughout. What's his name? Jim. Jim. All right. Mm -hmm. No two names. Nope, he's just okay. not, 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 not Jim Bob or nope. not Jim Mark or okay. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Oh, favorite thing in books. I love my books and I read all kinds. So I'm not, I'm not picky. I can go from an autobiography from someone to a business book to a fantasy novel to anything. It just depends on whatever catches my eye at the time. What's your favorite food? I love a great grilled hamburger and it's got to have good melty cheese on it. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll understand this being from the South, but someone's turned this around and asked me these questions and they asked me my favorite food. And I'm like, it'd have to be cornmeal. Like, yeah, cause it, it goes it, on everything. It, it goes on everything. It's a separate food group unto itself. What's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? 
Oh, I love the beaches, especially Alabama's Gulf Coast and Florida. Something about the white sand and the blue water as it is probably my favorite places. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Contentment, that you're able to show up every day and do what you enjoy doing. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who was willing to build others up, to be able to help them achieve whatever they wanted to achieve, that I was open and willing to share anything that I knew to be able to help them reach whatever goal it was that they had. If you could go back and talk to a younger Chelly, what would your advice be? Oh, Lord, there's so many of those moments. <laughs> I think probably the biggest thing, you know, looking back was not to be afraid of taking chances earlier on in life, not always making the safe choice that sometimes you need to be able to. It's OK to be a little afraid sometime of something in a good way, not, you know, nothing that would be detrimental to you or whatever. But sometimes just take that chance and see where it turns. What's your favorite sound? I love the piano. I play and and that's my zone out kind of thing and and my de-stressor or whatever, but I love piano. Out of all the lessons you've learned in your life, what's the best lesson you've learned? Best lesson I've learned would be probably goes right along with the core value is that if you say you're going to do something, make sure that you do it because once people form an opinion of you, it's really hard to undo that if it's a negative one. We've been visiting with Chelly Phillips, and I'm sure most of our listeners are just, they're just dying to figure out how to get in touch with you or how to find out more about you and what your services are based on what we've been talking about. How would somebody find out more about you, Chelly? Uh, super easy. I'm on all the social media platforms. You can find me just by sticking my name in there, Chelly Phillips, or you can go to my website, ChellyPhillips.com. Great. And how do you spell your first name? C-H-E-L-L-I-E, and there then Phillips go. with two L's. All right. Well, listen, I've enjoyed this immensely. I know you have way more to offer than what we were able to get to in this short amount of time. So I hope you'll come on back and visit with us again sometime. I would love it. Thanks so much. All right, Shelly Phillips, everybody. Just a fantastic visit with Shelly Phillips today. Man, she had so many great things to share. I hope you were able to journal some of them or at least make some notes on a notebook or something where you could retain some of that fabulous information. So appreciative of Shelly joining us today. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can also join our free Facebook group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. If you'd like to get my Monday morning memo in your email inbox every Monday morning, it's really simple. All you have to do is go to clearvisiondevelopment.com, go to the bottom of the homepage, and you'll see a place that you can insert your email address, hit the button, and you'll be subscribed. And every Monday morning, my Monday morning memo will start showing up in your email box. Make sure that our email address is cleared so that it doesn't go into your junk email or get hung up in your server at your office somehow. I really appreciate our producer, Tessa Hall, who makes our show sound so good every single week. And until I visit with you again next week here on the C-Suite Radio Network on the Better Than Before show, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. 
you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.